Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, you want to talk about an overplayed song. Paralyzed Finger 11. Ooh. Used to get the crap played out of it uh-huh. 15 years ago. Oh, I remember. Still do. Vividly. It's the only place I remember the song from. <laughs> it's like the only rock song that plays on Z96.3. <laughs> the thing is, though, the riff is good. It is a so, great riff. Great instrumental, if you ask me. Well, I remember they did a, uh, a fest. I think they did Rock Fest in Kansas City one year, and they, it was the only song I knew of theirs, but they killed it. I, oh. I, they, the fans loved them, but that was also 13 years ago. They were hot, maybe. They were hot for a second. Mm-hmm. Hot for a second. It is hour two of the game, the game after work. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G., and Owen Burke. The phone number is 785-537-1350. Phone lines are open, and uh, we'll get to the big... Uh, retirement and baseball news that has to do with a Royals legend at 525. As a matter of fact, I'm actually leaving after this segment to head out to Bramlage Coliseum for the K-State women in a top 25 matchup against West Virginia. We'll get to that game here in just a moment. Uh, Wanted to briefly mention here real quick, K-State baseball, they lost last night uh, to Arizona State. These were K-State, Arizona State were the last two teams, or I should say the first two teams left out of last year's NCAA tournament. Literally, Arizona State won, K-State 2. So it was the chips on shoulder game. Huh. Chips on shoulders game. And uh, K-State ends up losing 9-6. to six. I wish I could give you a really good synopsis of K-State through the first four games or 2-2 two and two in their trip to Arizona. Unfortunately, I just haven't really been able to watch much of the Batcats. I, I caught the tail end of Brian Smoller's call last night coming back from uh, Manhattan High Hoops. Um, and the broadcast that they had for those three games, um, the first three games of the season that MLB TV was doing or whatever, especially the last two that were just streamed, horrible. Yeah. Just wasn't good. It, the two camera thing zoomed out, you know, the camera behind home plate never zoomed in on the plays. You could hardly tell what was going on. Just had to go based on what the players were doing. And the stupid, the, the stupid part about that is, you know, come the start of the minor league baseball season, you know, that's a major production. MLBT, MILBTV is on the same caliber as MLBTV. Just from what I can gather, uh, Tyson Abrams would like to be to a better start right now. He has appeared in two games, and his ERA is over 15 uh, right now in about two innings of work. I think it's a little over two innings of work. He came in and tried to get the last four outs of the game, and uh, struck out three, walked one, did allow two earned runs 
on uh, on one hit in an inning and a third. Um, Borma goes four and two thirds yesterday. Right now has a 7.04 ERA with a couple of starts. Would imagine that'll buff out. Mm-hmm. Nine strikeouts, four walks, four earned on four hits in four and two thirds. Um, you know, Blake Dean gave up three runs on five hits in two innings. So, you know, the the, the pitching had its moments, but wasn't crisp. Um, you know, Arizona State. I mean, they kind of ran away with it there in the last couple of innings with two runs in the seventh and eighth innings. You know, for the K State bats, they're they're hitting home runs. Chuck Ingram, Kalen Culpepper, um, you know, Brendan Jones. I you know I think Jane Lobliner or Lobliner rather at at DH. He, he's he's looking better than I thought he was going to be. I was a little worried. He was okay last year. I know they have big plans for him, um, but he goes over three with a couple of walks yesterday. Um, you know, it's just I. Going Carson Quick on the pinch hit there in the in the top of the ninth thing with the bases loaded, you're down three, coming off cold off the bench. I understand Rafael Pelletier was having a rough game, one for four with a couple of strikeouts. Um, unfortunately, Carson struck out there. I know, and I know, you know, based on what Brian Smola was saying on the broadcast yesterday, that K State has big expectations for Carson Quick, who's a backup catcher. So uh, the issue for the bats yesterday was they left the bases loaded three times. Yeah, you, you hate to see that they left eleven on base. They were stranding base runners. That there you were know. there were eight walks that they didn't you know fully capitalize on when it was done. I mean, at the plate though, I I will say discipline. I mean, twelve walks yesterday, twelve for the K State bats. They did strike out eleven times, but I mean that was you know with taking more pitches <clears throat> in those in those kind of situations where you could strike out a walk if you got a full count. K-State's taking more pitches, and they're trying to initiate more walks, and they certainly did so last year. They were the best team in the in the uh, Big 12 in taking walks, and they were still one of the bottom teams in the conference in strikeouts. Like, they didn't strike out as much mm-hmm. as you would think they would with as many walks as they were trying to, try they to did, get. They did a very good job at protecting the strike zone and being able to draw those walks. So, a, a bit of a rough start. You really wanted to win that game if you're K-State at Arizona State. But there are plenty of chances to bounce back. They still have the games at Tennessee and Clemson and Big 12 play and looking to correct some things and improve against Holy Cross this weekend. Hey, listen, don't read too much into it. UNC Greensboro knocked off Wake Forest, number one Wake Forest yesterday. Hey, shout out to them. Yeah, Wait, welcome, to, welcome to college baseball. <laughs> it's here, baby. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, don't let this uh, these four games, even though it's had its ups, it's had its downs, this is not the story of the season. Long way to go. Meanwhile, tonight, uh, we're getting towards the end of the season, the regular season, that is, of K-State women's basketball as they play tonight against the West Virginia Mountaineers. K-State Jeez, four and, games. and four West games Virginia. Left. Yeah, K-State and West Virginia, both in the top 25, both tied for second in the Big 12. Each team with just three losses in the conference. For West Virginia, those are all three of their losses. Meanwhile, K-State lost to non-con Iowa. Mm-hmm. Whoops. You know, <laughs> did beat them as well. Uh-huh. Um, just to speak on West Virginia for just a moment, I, I can't stress enough how big this game is. I mean, you're talking two teams tied for second with Texas, one game back of the leader, and that's Oklahoma. Now, the reason Oklahoma is now just up one game instead of two is because West Virginia beat them in Morgantown. That was a big win for the Mountaineers. Now, K-State 
needs to get this victory. I, this is a this is a big win, a big opportunity for K State to stay in the hunt for a Big Twelve championship. I honestly feel if K State doesn't get the win tonight, I think they're shot at a Big Twelve championship. It's it's pretty slim at this point because there's just a handful of games left, and this is a home game. Also, I mean, you K State's undefeated at home. You want to get this game, West Virginia. This is what scares me the most about the Mountaineers on the women's side. They are forcing 23 turnovers a game. That's by far the most in the Big 12. And you're, you're, we're talking Big 12 play, forcing 23 turnovers in the in a game. K State offensively has to value the basketball like they've never valued the basketball before. I mean, the basketball, they have to pretend that this has been handed down by their great-grandpa and they got it from James Naismith himself. Like, it has to be treated like it's the most important thing in your life or West Virginia is going to find themselves in a comfort zone and they're going to get after you on defense. I think West Virginia's four best players are all guards. K-State has a strong guard unit as well who have length, and that length has been a big part of how well K-State's been able to play defense this year with deflections and getting steals, and they forced a ton of turnovers against UCF because they can get those deflections and they can play good defense. K-State's going to have a height advantage tonight because all four of those guards are under six feet tall. But they can shoot the basketball, and that's where they're a little bit better than K-State is. You know, the Cats without Yoki, and you know, we've seen these shooting percentages drop. They've missed their first 11 threes against UCF. K-State's got to be a little bit of a better shooting team. West Virginia is a little bit of a better shooting team, including from three-point range. They're about 34% on the season, and they have plenty of gals that can knock down those shots. But we haven't gotten to the big question yet. The big question is, does Aoka Lee play tonight? I think some fans were disappointed on Saturday when they got to the game and noticed after she played against Iowa State, great crowd on hand, nearly 7,000 in attendance, and some fans maybe didn't know and realized Aoka Lee wasn't playing. Aoka Lee is a draw. K-State would not be where they are today without Aoka Lee, and tip, to the, tip of the cap to everybody else on the team, when they were playing without Aoka Lee to go 5-2 and two in the second co- toughest conference in America. K-State had to survive and squeak out a lot of home games. BYU yeah. was one of them. Uh, Oklahoma State, uh, UCF were, were some real nail biters. Um, but does she play tonight? My answer, I think she does. Mm. I, 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 I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about Aokali playing. What I have to back that up is Saturday against UCF, Yoki looked like maybe she was taped up or wearing something, but she wasn't wearing a boot because she hurt her ankle. It was the other ankle that uh, from the, the opposite of the one that needed surgery. It was an injury in the Iowa State game. She was listed as day-to-day. I took that as let's not risk it with Aokali. Mm-hmm. Let's not rush her back. There's some very important basketball coming up. With this lineup, we should be able to beat UCF. They did, barely. It took some heroics at the end there. Mm-hmm. With a great play by Jalen Glenn from Serena Sundell from Zy Walker. Great play after uh, UCF tied it up and the Cats win by two. Close game, nail brighter, but they got it done. A win's a win. Um, 
Yoki is going to be needed tonight. When she was listed as day-to-day, I, I saw that as, let's not rush her back, let's take our time, let's make sure she's good to go before we get her back out there because we're going to need Aoka Lee to get where we want to go, and that's those goals right. are pretty big goals. When, when Yoki's playing and K-State's at full strength, to me this is a Final Four team. With that being said, also got word that she did participate in shoot-around today, was looking fine. So I got a really good feeling Aoka Lee will absolutely play tonight. Mm-hmm. Will she be limited in numbers? I can't tell you that. She was, or at least they were going to try um, in that two-overtime game against Iowa State. They just had to play her for a, probably some extended minutes. That's what they had to do. Um, but if you don't have your tickets yet, and if you're maybe debating because you don't know if Aoka Lee is going to play or not, I have a really good feeling she's going to play. Yeah. So if you're going to the game or you were thinking about it, go get your tickets and go to the game tonight because tonight's a huge. Okay. All right. All right. No, it. That's it. It's it's absolutely huge, and and I I honestly have been a little disappointed that K State didn't do better down the stretch of her being gone. You mentioned having to claw out close wins. It, you also factor in the two losses, Oklahoma and Texas, that mm-hmm. she definitely you know, would have played a, a huge role in. But to me, it shows that her role is even bigger than probably uh, we all thought it may be on this team this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that at the end of the day, she still is what really makes this go. Yeah, she's the All-American. True. She is the irresistible force of Aoka Lee in the paint, that is a completely different game plan for an opponent if she if she's in versus in she, when she's out. Right. K-State is a much different team when she doesn't play. K-State is a more together team when she does play. But it goes back to valuing the basketball because when she does play tonight, they're going to go for the lob. I would imagine West Virginia sure. might have a you know uh, extra defender waiting to double team when they need it. Instead of going one-on-one with Yoki, because I don't think West Virginia can stop her if it's one-on-one, because again, she'll have a size advantage. So they're going to need help. But Casey has to make the smart passes. They're going to go for a ton of lobs, but it has to be at the right time. And I think that's the thing that could be a bit ugly mm-hmm. early on. And it's going to need a second-half adjustment to figure that out. So tonight's coverage begins at 6, tip-off at 6.30, right here on K-Man. But if you have nothing to do tonight and you want something to do and you want to see one of the best teams in the country play against one of the best teams in the country, Manhattan, Kansas is going to have a pretty premium game tonight in Bramlage Coliseum. Yeah. All right, with that, I'm out of here. I'm heading to Bramlage Coliseum just to make sure uh, Aoka Lee is going to play tonight. And if she's warming up, I'm going to tweet it out. Yeah. So what? I'm out of here. These guys are going to take over. And when they come back, the Eric Osmer news. He's retiring. These guys will discuss next. Thank you for listening to the game and go cats. The game continuing on News Radio KMAN. Yeah, that Fortner guy thought he needed to flake out. I don't know. I'm 
the go to the game? Like, what's he going to do there? He's got an excuse all the time. I got to <laughs> yeah. go to this game. I Every go time. Game. I like, mean, gosh. Jeez, oh, man. Okay. MHS Hoops, K-State go. Women's Basketball. Come on. Go ahead, pal. Thinks he's important, I swear. Uh-huh. I guess we'll just carry the load here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll just keep on trucking, Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get eastbounded down. It's going to be our next week. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, it's not on my list. Oh. If 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 you launch a certain app on that computer, you can find it probably in a in a list. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm I'm just pointing out. <laughs> Vaulted. Uh, yeah, they, they, there there are some little tricks around there uh, that I utilize in the morning. So just noting, because after all, you know, some Jerry Reed is Jerry Reed. He's talking about his underground tunnels he uses. For <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, pretty much. Yes. Yeah, the, 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 the underground tunnels lined with 45s. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the place to come for a tornado for just one reason. Yeah, right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, Eric Hosmer retiring <clears throat> after a, a career that, I'll be perfectly honest, was tremendous in Kansas City <laughs> and never matched it in San Diego, nor uh, did he get much of a chance to match it in Chicago. Did he play for Boston at and some he point? There he, he did. Okay. He was traded from San Diego to Boston and then last year went to the Cubs gotcha. and was cut in May. He saw the writing on the wall with spring training underway, wasn't likely to get an offer anywhere. And has elected to call it quits. 34, his age. And he's going to team up with a couple of former Royals, minor leaguers, guys he knows, and start a podcast company. Ah. Uh, he's uh, taking the, the path least traveled. Right, I mean, I mean, kind of going out on a limb there to start. Yeah, a no, not a ton of former athletes with podcasts. It, it's amazing, isn't it? How, gee, at every turn. Yeah, but you know, he, it'll be interesting to hear from him. They that team, the Kansas City team for two seasons was it, and it'll be fun to hear some stuff from them. No, you're absolutely right, and and honestly, I would even say the 2013 team. Uh huh. Even though they missed the playoffs, there was the push to get there. And so 13, 14, 15 were definitely magic. This, yeah, were definitely magic. And honestly, one of the things about it for me is that it his time in Kansas City helped at least my nieces and nephews develop an appreciation for the Royals that they didn't have and be able to talk and communicate baseball with me in a way that they never had been able to because they didn't understand that fandom that I had. And I think about my niece, Abby, whose favorite player was Hosmer. Mm -hmm. And over the course of time, while she was in high school, dated a baseball player from her high school. They also were in band together and some other things. That was one of the weddings that we had last summer. Right on. Was, you know, and they're both huge baseball fans. We'll forgive him for being a Cardinals fan, first and foremost. Maybe you will. (laughs) But at the, you know, at the end of the day, 
how many times that their dates were going out to watch the Royals. Mm -hmm. And he was part of that revival, if you will, of what the, of what the Royals had been as I had been growing up. And we lost it for a lengthy stretch. Yeah. And unfortunately, we've seemed to have lost it somewhat again. But Maybe on the upturn, yeah, might be coming back into it now. We have got to see Major League Baseball get to a point where this doesn't happen on a on a regular basis. I agree. I'm holding out hope that small market teams don't have to wait 30 years in between competitive stretches of four years. You know, I just. I'll never forget having to sit through Ryan Sheely. <laughs> I'm sure we can fill the next 20 I mean, oh, there, there are so I mean, many, yeah. I, Mike Jacobs. I remember when Mike Jacobs being signed was like the big thing, and it was like, oh, my God, the Royals signed a guy? That's awesome. And just the uh, – Eric Hosmer gets on base his first at bat and then steals second. I was like – the Royals are gonna be good. They have a young guy, and they've got a group of young guys coming up. And it was known; it was just known. We've got this window that's gonna come up here soon, and we're going to cash in on it because as soon as we're done, as soon as their contract comes up, we're, we can't afford him anymore. Right? He's gone. And unfortunately, that was what essentially occurred with that entire core. Other than Alex Gordon, right of that 2015 team, mm -hmm. how many of those guys coming up were like? Because I wasn't a baseball fan at all back then. I just really recently got into it two to three years ago. Like coming out, like how many of those guys were like top ten prospects? Do you have a number one prospect in baseball? They the Royals had the number one minor league yeah. system. In I know baseball. the system has yeah, always it was, been it's it was highly touted. All those guys. Now it was like Hosmer, Mustakis, big, but um, like. You got to think. Lorenzo Cain came over in a trade. Alcides Escobar trade, right? Yes. Um, and then Salvador Perez was not. I don't think he was a huge uh, build as like the next guy, but he came on and it was like, wow, we got a really good guy here. This is amazing. He came up at just the right time the, exactly. that he intersected with those guys. Yeah, the, and J Jason Kendall was back there. Yes, and it was or oh, I think That's it was. Um, yeah, I know. Miguel Olivo maybe was the catcher too. They had some guy. Brian Pena was another guy. They just oh, had. There's just, a name. They just had a just a group of guys, three guys or so that they just rotated through, and then Salvi shows up and bam. You mentioned Escobar and Kane coming over in the trade. The trade. The trade. You remember what trade it was? The number one trade ever. Zach Greinke going to yep. the Brewers. During at a uh, on a rent a deal for Locaine, Alcides Escobar, and Josh or Jeffries. He was a uh, I know he was a reliever at one time. Uh, he didn't pan out for the Royals, but I think you can say the other two guys yeah. might have panned yeah. out. So Hosmer finishes his career with seventeen hundred fifty three hits, just under, and this is part of why he did try to keep going. Last year, 198 homers. Ugh. He wanted to get to that 200 mark. 893 RBI. Over 13 seasons, a 276 batting average. Mm -hmm. 
these last years belied how good he was at the front end of his career. Yeah. Part of the flaw was, and I said this when he signed that contract with San Diego, that he was going to get lost in that ballpark. That is a pitcher's ballpark, much like Dodger Stadium. And for what he accomplished in Kansas City, yes, Kansas City has been a pitcher's ballpark over the years, but he was able to play his game towards that ballpark maybe as best as he as anybody on that team save for Alex Gordon. And in the process you know really set himself up to be a guy who had the contract numbers worked out and he'd been able to be long term I, I really feel like it would have been a, a good core to continue forward. But the finances just didn't add up at the yeah. point. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> and remember, you were also not all that far away from when the Glass family decided to sell to right. John Sherman. <clears throat> right at the exact right time, <laughs> they um, they really struck gold on so many different levels. Um, James Shields, that trade coming over, yes. he was so important, and he wasn't necessarily like great but he was important because he showed a lot of these young guys this is how you get it done this is how you are this is how you be a major league baseball player and he taught those guys a lot and then you have of course we'd be remiss once you get to the fifth inning i mean for three you know for two seasons it was over i mean once the royals got to the fifth it was over with and i do think I don't want to throw that word out because sacrilege and everything, but the O word sometimes gets thrown out about Eric Hosmer because of just the way he fit on that team and the way that um, once you got to the back end of a game, the flaws of the team got covered up because it was just one, two, three, sit them down, we're going home. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that, at the time that contract, everybody was like, we expected that, but maybe not that big of a contract. Who can live up to that? And I never thought he had the straight power numbers for a fan to go, I'm glad we spent all that money yeah. on that guy. He was just never going to hit the ball out of the park consistently. Here's here Here are the things to remember. 2016, he was an all-star MVP. That wasn't in Kansas City, by the way, if you're trying to think that through. (laughs) 2017, 25 homers, but a 318 batting average and an OPS of 882. He hit free agency at right just the right spot for him. And it turned into eight years, $144 million. And as I said, I questioned that deal, but the Padres, let's be perfectly honest, for the last decade have overspent. Yeah. They have been horrendous with their contracts. And nothing to show for and it. And nothing yeah. to show for it. Thank you, Dodgers. Yeah, but the issue, isn't it so crazy that, like, where you play is so hingent upon, like, if you're this top, you know, hot shot lefty bat prospect and you play for the San Francisco Giants, you're not going to look great in that ballpark. No. It's hard to shoot a ball down the left field line in Oracle Park, or down the right field line in Oracle, but... He, I mean, he, yeah. not only that, not only that, then switching leagues. Also, this 
a huge contract. People ask you every day. I know that was the goal. He was a Lee Steinbrenner guy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Steinberg, Steinberg guy. He yep. was a Lee Steinberg guy. So that was the goal. They they He lays it out for you. We're going to go. We're going to explode on the scene. We're going to win the Royals their World Series. And then me and you, buddy, we're going to cash that lotto ticket in, and you're set for life. And everyone knew it, and that's exactly how it played out. I I just wish personally because I he is a central part of so many great memories and so many huge moments in my own fanhood. I wished that he would have been more of an impact guy instead of at the tail end of his career. Kind of a you know joke. I mean, they were like, "Get rid of yeah. that guy. He sucks. He's a yeah. bum." I wish that didn't happen to him because he was such a joy to watch as a young guy. Back to your point about how. A home diamond plays so different for everybody. I mean, I I argue day in and day out during the season, Aaron Judge wouldn't be the player he is if he wasn't playing in a softball park (laughs) for 81 games of season. Yeah, and to clarify, it's not that you're saying he's going to be a scrub, but maybe he's not one of the best hitters in baseball. Thank you. Yeah. John Carlos Stanton still has a contract because he can at least hit it out of the right field porch. Because he can hit it at 325 over there in right field. It's disgusting. Yeah. Disgust. <laughs> and, and again, granted, you have to understand also, part of my argument there is because as a Rockies fan, I get sick and tired of hearing all of the conversation about Coors Field being a launching pad. Nobody says that about Yankee Stadium, which is a damn softball field. Right. And there's a difference between the elevation and the air quality versus how short your fences are. Mm-hmm. And... Let's be honest, the humidor has played a big role in changing how the game is played in Colorado. Yeah. To the point that you have minor league places such as Las Vegas, such as uh, Albuquerque, such, you know, any of those that are at altitude, they also have been required to have humidors in place now by Major League Baseball because of the impact it was having on young arms. That said... Yes, Coors Field has its issues. I don't argue that one bit. That's because it's built different. We play in the mountains. (laughs) But that's one of the great things about baseball. Mm -hmm. You construct for your home field. Yep. Basketball, you don't have that as an impact. Football, you don't have that as an impact. Why? Soccer pitches. All of it. They're the same dimensions. Baseball gives us a wonderful break from that in that you're able to build a diamond and do things that are different. It's why going from the era of the cookie cutters Mm -hmm. to the era that we are in now with stadiums was such a refreshing change in the early 90s, starting with the Orioles moving to Camden Yards. And why HOK became so good at building those stadiums, Mm -hmm. because they began to actually build tradition back into the game in the process, as opposed to everything being set up like Riverfront or Three Rivers, Mm -hmm. because you had to account for football. That's why Camden Yards is one of the best ballparks in the in the in the league right One now. I have not been to yet. That's all that's gotta I, be a bug. You know, the, the right irony there. of all of this, for my love of the game of baseball, I've been to two ballparks. That's actually <laughs> surprisingly low. My brother has me beat, and it frustrates me because he's not nearly the fan I am. Come on, Troy. 
Get out there. I, you know, what can I say? I mean, he, he had a trip to San Diego that came up for work, and, you know, he got out there, so uh, you, among others, but yes. Well, so where was it? Have you been to Coors? And, I've been to Coors, and I've been to Kaufman. Kaufman I mean, those, okay. those are my places. Those are my places. Tell you what, we'll take a trip to enemy territory one of these days and get out to a St. Louis game. You buy the ticket, I'll drive the whole way there and back. <laughs> like I'll I'll take care of the driving part. My young eyes can handle that. You just pay the ticket to get yeah, it. it don't don't think I'm not tempted, but the fly is that you know you'd have to add one more to the mix here. Oh, 100 percent. We uh, add two. This is where I admit I married very well. <laughs> My wife loves baseball. Yeah, right we'll take on. the girls. We're all good. So there, you want in on this? I uh, know. <laughs> Load them all up. Let's go. I've, I've road tripped to St. Louis too many times. No, no. Oh, back the girls uh, up. We'll all go. Yikes. Cammy and station trip. Yeah, <laughs> listen, the last time that I saw a ball game in St. Louis, I don't want to remember that. And I still say that he still not scored a touchdown. <laughs> I think you understand where I'm going with that. I have no it. 98. Big 12 championship game. Oh, God, game. yeah. Next. And Dave is in a dark Next. place. Yeah. Uh, that was a dark place for me, man. Oh. Uh, especially having to leave the stadium with A&M fans. Oh, oh, Sir Parker, right. dude. Uh, call, hey, let's prank call him or something. All right. Break time. We'll be back with more on the game in a moment. K-State women's basketball coming up. Coverage at 6. The Cats taking on West Virginia tonight at Bramlage. 6.30 tip-off as K-State gets Aoka Lee back. Is that official? In all likelihood. Not official yet? Not official yet. Okay, all right. Not official yet. Just checking. Saw another official item that we'll talk about tomorrow morning on uh, K-Man's Morning News. A little news tidbit. That's going to be very interesting. Oh. Mm-hmm. I am intrigued. Mm-hmm. Speaking of interesting, Dave G., did you see uh, Antonio Pierce's comments on uh, Patrick Mahomes? I did. I did. And I found those interesting um, because he said we gave him the blueprint to beat the Chiefs. And, the, the you know, it's, it's kind of... That's kind of an odd statement to make after they won the Super Bowl. I think more than anything, the comments that have people perked up are more the aspect that, you know, it's going to be the Raiders being the Raiders, essentially, or channeling the bad boy Pistons sure. when playing Mahomes. I mean, you if you— The Mahomes rules. Right. If you want to do that— Go ahead and do that at your own peril, because and if if who's more protected than an NFL quarterback, especially a guy like Pat Mahomes? Now I do understand that getting pressure on him, especially this season, um, was important, and that uh, obviously I I don't think there's a quarterback out there that you go you know there's no one to go hey you don't want to get pressure on that guy you know like you want to you want to pressure them all. Uh, but to say that you're gonna like beat him up and uh, hit him and stuff like uh, you're gonna get a lot of penalties. You're gonna get a lot of 15 yard penalties because they protect quarterbacks. Everybody knows that. And now you're telling the refs, "Hey, uh, we're gonna be out here trying to punch Matt, Pat Mahomes in the head." Uh, that's a great strategy, Antonio Pierce. Great job. Yeah. Um, now they're gonna be watching. 
that's one of those things that you should keep quiet between yourself and your team. Yeah. I mean, you know. Until like well a bounty after. Gate, a little bounty gate action. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it didn't cross that line. Not yet. But <laughs> I just, I thought this is tr- Everything that he's saying, I'm just, it's just getting worse and worse. And then when he said, they, we gave him the blueprint. I thought, well, why didn't they anyone follow the blueprint then? <laughs> That's a great question because I don't. I've never seen Patrick Mahomes other than the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. I don't know if I've seen him under as much duress as he was that game. Like, no, that was the one thing that frustrated me to no end watching the Baltimore game, and then watching the Super Bowl is nobody is got so, pressure on him. Yeah, so hard to get him down behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. It frustrates the ever loving everything yeah. out of me. Let's remember a couple of things here. The first is that the Chiefs had been in a stretch where they weren't playing dramatically great ball. We know this. The second is it was Christmas Day. Uh And I don't mean to utilize that as an excuse, but Andy Reid went as far as telling Antonio Pierce later, thank you for getting us refocused, essentially. Yeah. Christmas Day games are not easy to be focused for. Mm -hmm. And the Raiders were... And the Chiefs weren't. No, and that was in that spot in the season where everyone was like, what's wrong with the Chiefs? And it was a slog. And That essentially was the day that played them out of having a first-round bye. That's right. And it was also the day that played them into a eventual Super Bowl run, I do think. That would be correct. It yeah. happens. You get beat by a better team. They, I mean, the Raiders were the better team that day. There's no doubt about that. Nobody saying it was a you know and that I've just heard from Raiders fans it was a fluke I don't think it was a fluke I think the better team won but I don't think you go ho oh, ho we unlocked the thing you got to do you got to get up there and you got to hit him <laughs> oh genius I, oh he broke the game of football the irony of that is just as an example Denver didn't do that and still beat and them still beat them yeah they did you're right. Denver played it a completely different way and still beat them. They did. They did. Um, the Lions, I don't necessarily think it, it wasn't was the, you know, pressure. In it wasn't game. a lot. I mean, no. it was. There's more pressure. There's been more pressure this season. There was more pressure this season on Pat Mahomes game to game than I think he has had in his career. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. To say you got the blueprint is weird i i would agree with you i like the confidence i do and i think to take down patrick Mahomes, especially in that division it's going to take some blind confidence you're going to have to go into situations where you have a 10 percent chance of winning a game thinking that you got 90 if you want a shot at it absolutely and so, they, they did you know they, that's what they did they got him they got him at the right time and they had confidence we're going to beat these guys and they did it and shout out to them but i i on the flip side it's like how long are you going to hang your hat on a, a regular season victory that you had over somebody who eventually won the Super Bowl? I will say this. How I, much juice could he squeeze? I love the fact, though, that he at least went to the reference of the Jordan rules. Yeah, that was awesome. Because it does re refocus everybody on what was an era of NBA basketball that was uh, amazing. Well, okay, maybe not. But it was definitely uh, it was interesting. Yeah, it was a good way to put it. I, I, it kept your attention. I will say the last thing I thought about it when he said the Jordan rules, and of course everyone knows that comes from bad boys, uh, the Detroit Pistons, after that 
uh, last Detroit Pistons win in the conference finals, what happened? Michael Jordan rededicated himself, changed his body, changed the way he played, and then he single-handedly destroyed the Detroit Pistons. He crushed them in the playoffs, and they wouldn't shake his hand. This guy took that to heart and rebuilt himself. The number one player in the game decided, I'm going to do something about this, and Buried that franchise. So, hey, you want to call up the Jordan rules? Let's be honest. What happened after they said the Jordan mm-hmm. rules? He went out and said, here's your Jordan rules and crammed it right down their throats. He also played a big role in Jerry Krause getting off his backside and getting some personnel to help. Absolutely. Charles Oakley comes uh-huh, to mind. Uh-huh. Horace Grant comes after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And some big bodies, but... Michael Jordan hit the weight room and decided, I'm not going to get pushed around anymore. No one's going to knock me down. And he ended up crushing those guys. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think it's, I mean, especially like, you know, the dad bod thing came out this offseason, <laughs> right? You're like, maybe this is all coming together at the worst time. It couldn't be the worst thing. But then again, you don't want your quarterback lifting, you know, getting all buff. You yeah. know, he can't throw, but, you know. I, I'll, if that's the case, I'll never forgive Antonio Pierce. But I do like <laughs> I do like bringing a little Oakland attitude to Vegas because I think they need it. They need culture. And if culture is going to be, we don't care if it's 2-15 and 15 every year. If we beat the Chiefs twice, then we had an okay season. You know what? They need something. Uh, they do. They, they're playing in a diamond of a stadium, and to me, it just doesn't feel like it's the Raiders. No, it doesn't. Like, And, and I think the text from Reed – the you know he texted Antonio Pierce hey thanks for refocusing us you know when he sent that when they were moving into Allegiant for the Super Bowl week <laughs> wow what more do you need as a head coach You're like all right these guys are uh, two and fifteen I don't care as long as those are the two wins right there so I like the energy and I think the culture the Raiders need it so yeah they need something because that place is generic it is need it, some wins that's what they need <laughs> yeah. hit that hit that bed. Which one? You know which one. The one where we ask The, the one us that triggers this guy to ask questions. Anything. You want to just want to hit it now? Yeah, let's do that. Let's because, go. you know, I know we've got to get out here in a moment or two. Uh-huh. There we go. Today is Wednesday, <laughs> so it's Would You Rather. I love Wednesdays. And I've been holding on to this one for a while. Would you rather every new person you meet, you have to sniff their butt like a dog does? Hell no. Or... You have to eat dog food for two dinners uh, every week. Where the heck did you come up with this? Troy, don't do that to me, okay? I thought about this long and hard. Yeah. Where? Don't worry about it. what were you on? Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Kibble or uh, Fresh Pet? So I had someone call in and say that they work for a pet store and that some of the organic stuff, quote unquote, ain't that That bad. bad. (laughs) (laughs) So he said he would do the eating dog food. Uh, That was a, it was a real Uh 50-50 this morning. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, you, got, you got anything on that? Oh, my. <laughs> and there's our cue. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, no, I'm eating dog food. Sorry. <laughs> Not doing the other one. Yeah, yeah. I, I can do without the other as well. Oh, boy. Yeah, bitch. We're, we're back at this tomorrow afternoon for whatever that's worth. <laughs> K-State women's basketball up next. Go Cats.